0: betonline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info stats news and scores get the latest odds and lines including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs BetOnline is always your sports and information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs basketball mlb nhl hockey right to ufc and boxing BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code, BLEAV, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros, with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now here's Bulky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? That's right, I am still rocking the birthday theme, um, uh, <laughs> even after <laughs> I last that. week. I <laughs> hey, we really celebrated, dude. I know, and you know, especially you should because. That's the main reason you yes, should I be That's right. But, um, <laughs> milestones. <laughs> milestones. Hey, mine's coming up this weekend, and I am, I, and, and forever, unfortunately, will be older than you. Um, but uh, that, is, <laughs> that is my burden to bear. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 65 of the Believe in Astros podcast on Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky, alongside my partner, fresh off turning 50 and back, from, uh, back to after his birthday podcast, uh, Jeff Blum. Uh, how are you doing this morning, Blummer, and uh, happy belated? I appreciate
1: that. I'm doing uh, relatively well considering, but uh, it's always uplifting to hear another
0: happy birthday shout out. So I appreciate you setting that up. <laughs> that was very kind. <laughs> no problem. It's, you know, we, we got to do what we got to do around these parts uh, to keep the yep. uh, joy rolling. Um, li- life is difficult enough. Uh, this this podcast, should we should try to, you know, got to try and have a little bit of fun um agreed as cheryl Crow once said you know i uh, got i got to, you know got to have a little fun bef- wait she didn't say that i was gonna say cheryl Crow said it now i just feel like a moron <laughs> somebody said you got to have a little f- I, I know who it was now in my head and it's a really obscure band that no one will know but they said yeah, i'd like to have a little fun before my time on earth is done oh so now i've rolled through that and butchered that you let's move on throw
1: it out there now
0: <laughs> it's a band called ten hands they were from dallas in the uh 90s, like imagine, uh, like the um, imagine like a really good funk band combined with like Frank Zappa, uh, with like Peter Gabriel singing, that kind of thing. A bunch of talented nerd musicians from from the University of North Texas in Denton, and their songs were really funny, really funny, including (laughs) that, including that little ditty. Uh, which is uh, which was actually called uh, Don't Even Fuck Around, if I recall the title correctly. Um, so yeah, yeah. there's it, it was fun. Anyway, I saw them a lot at Fitzgerald's Rest in Peace, Fitzgerald. Speaking of Rest in Peace, Rest in Peace, uh, um, Gordon Lightfoot, who passed away yesterday at the tender age of 84, the Canadian singer-songwriter. If you grew up in the 70s like me, you remember such hits as Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald and Uh, sundown (laughs) and of course, uh, carefree highway. So, R.I.P. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Stitcher. I mean, if you love this scintillating conversation about 90s funk bands and Gordon Lightfoot, it's just, I'm just, (laughs) like I said, I got to get a COVID test today. My wife was exposed. I'm hoping we don't have it. So this is how my day is starting. Uh, Be sure to like and subscribe. (laughs) Exactly. Be sure to like and subscribe to keep up with us and give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram at Believe in Astros. You can find me at Jeff Balky and Blummer at Blummer27 all over social media. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel, get alerted to videos, and please continue to leave us reviews on Apple, five stars. Just come on, go ahead and do that if you haven't. And uh, send us your comments. Um, My comment, uh, my question today, excuse Hmm. me, is will we have any starting pitching left by the end of this week? Dear God. Yeah, I'm curious too. It sure feels like we won't. Let's just dive into that, Blummer. Uh, I guess Jim Crane must have seen something when he said the bullpen is the key to success this offseason. Uh, we've haven't seen Lance McCullers yet. Gotta get there exactly. Uh, we haven't seen him play yet. Uh, and in the last two days, the Astros have lost Jose Urquidy to shoulder soreness. Fortunately, no d- uh, damage shown in the MRI, which is good. But he's going to be out at least uh, for a, a you know a little bit. They're going to shut him mm-hmm. down for a little bit to. And then you've got Luis Garcia going down yesterday, and no reports yet, no MRI yet, but pain in the elbow is just not a good Mm. sign. So, man, what is going on? Dude, I don't
1: know. And uh, like you said about Jose Arquiti, just real quick, you know, you hope it is just a little bit of soreness, stiffness in, in that uh, shoulder, maybe some inflammation that they can control and get down and get him back in that rotation. Uh, he, he's proven to be a good innings eater for the Astros, which is nice. And he can lengthen himself out and get to that bullpen that you're talking about. And then Luis Garcia, man, this is probably, I'm not going to, you know, it, it's, I'm not it's hard to say it's more frustrating than Arkedie but both of them are very frustrating injuries because uh, notably for Luis Garcia because the two previous starts were outstanding. He went out there, shutty yeah. uh, for, what, 13 innings uh, against the Blue Jays and Tampa Bay Rays, two contending teams, 16 punch-outs in those two ball games. Everything for him was starting to trend in the right direction. The velocity had bumped a little bit and got back to that 93-94 range, and he has that cutter from hell that he's been throwing and been hyper-effective with. And then all of a sudden, eight pitches into that ball game. Uh, velocity was oh, it was down about a mile an hour on the fastball. And eight pitches later, he comes out with the elbow. And anytime you hear right elbow, pitching elbows with anybody across the league, mm-hmm. like Jacob deGrom up in Arlington, you start to panic a little bit. And you worry and you get concerned. And how long is it going to be? What exactly is the damage? So we're, that's what we're all waiting to hear. And it is frustrating. And I would imagine one of the things you're going to ask me here pretty soon is, does this have anything to do with the WBC?
0: Well, there's a number of questions related to that. I mean, you, you mentioned Luis Garcia and you, you nailed it. I mean, uh, you know, I, I pulled this out in the last podcast. Um, I said that, you know, in, the la- in those last two games, he took his ERA down from the mm. high sevens to four. He had also given up one run on five hits with 16 strikeouts and four walks. He threw 92 and 97 pitches, going seven and six innings, respectively. So, yeah, that's not good when you've got a guy that's going like that. And you bring this up. So, there was a story in The Athletic this morning about whether or not the rise in injuries might be related (laughs) to the pitch clock, right? Because we've seen a lot of guys getting hurt this year. You're right. Right. The, Robbie Ray, Johnny Cueto, Jacob deGrom. Like, there is a run on starting pitchers this year. And one of the things that they mentioned is that guys in the major leagues, like in, in the minor leagues, injuries actually went down when the pitch clock was, was just slightly. But the thing is, major league pitchers throw harder. The velocity hasn't gone down this year. Um, they're pitching harder later into games. Pitchers are going deeper into games. So and then of course, like you said, Dusty Baker mentioned the WBC last night as another possibility. I mean, I guess fatigue could be an issue. Um, I, I was going to ask you this specifically: like, how much fatigue is? Th- I mean, we look at baseball on TV, and it seems like well, there's a lot of kind of hanging out, right? It doesn't feel <laughs> like from it's not like watching football or basketball or even soccer where they're just running and running and running. But there's a lot that, to put on a pitcher. When they're throwing the ball repeatedly that hard, is speeding that up? Does that make that much of a difference?
1: I don't know. These are starting pitchers that we're hearing about having these injuries, so that's what kind of piques my interest about this. And you know, is it the pitch clock? Because the only reason I bring that up is because relievers usually come in for an inning, maybe two innings, if they're one of those guys. But if you're a back end of the bullpen type guy, and a Brayu, Montero, Nerys. Uh, Stanek, Maton, uh, you know Ryan Presley, and you're a max yeah. effort guy. You only have to throw maybe 15 to 20 pitches per outing, and you're doing it in a short amount of time. So I would imagine that if those injuries are happening, why aren't they happening to relievers? You know, maybe it's the repetition or maybe it's getting into that 70, 80, 90 pitch zone where you start to speed things up and you start to maybe overcompensate because you are fatigued. Um, yeah. That's an interesting point. I'll have to read that article and see if they'd go in depth on that. But at the same time, you know, earlier in the season, there was actually an interview with Max Scherzer where he said, I've got to be in better shape. I'm older. My body is older. I've, I've got more pitches on my right arm i need to be in better shape to compete with the pitch clock and be able to be competitive on the field so there might be some validity to that argument that's saying that fatigue is a little bit of an issue because if you are sped up and you're pitching a little more frequently and throwing harder that could lead to uh, some issues later on in the ball game probably
0: well you know and they brought up uh scherzer's comments in the in this mm-hmm. story um I, you know i do think about that you know that maybe it, like the it's it's not just the question they're condensing these pitches into a much shorter period of time right mm-hmm. so let's say before they throw 70 or 80 pitches and that's over what two hours maybe now they're throwing 78 or pitches over an hour and 20 maybe so they're shaving yeah. a bunch of time off and any anything that you do that exerts yourself if you do it in a short and it sure's or even said it he said, you know, you run from, you know, foul pole to foul pole. Now do it 10 seconds faster or whatever it is. It's like you're going to, you know, you're going to fatigue yeah, yourself. abbreviate so, that
1: rest time in between those laps and see how you react. You're going to be exactly. fatigued quicker.
0: Yeah, and so I, I imagine that could be a part of it. Obviously, we don't have enough data to be able to, to tell us one way or yep. the other yet. But, I mean, who's the, – and there's a New York – what was a guy in the New York Mets that went down um, – and there's guys that have been that are now missing for the year. You know, like we, uh, uh, Jacob Arizzi, gone for the year for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys. Really, it's it's been kind of a weird year. Now, it, the only thing you can say is, I mean. <laughs> It's every. It's happening to everybody. <laughs> it's not just. Yeah. This is not isolated to the Astros. We're seeing a lot of pitchers get hurt and a lot of guys. So you're just going to have to have good depth. Which brings me to the question: Brandon Bealike came up last night was solid, um, you know, for his time. Mm-hmm. If, if Garcia goes out, which I think at this point we have to feel pretty comfortable in the assumption that he's going to miss at least a start. Horace Whitley, who we've all been praising, has had a couple of real stinker outings lately. Um, yeah, so you got to think maybe J.P. France or Sean Dubin. I mean, France's Stash is ready for the show, but but is his arm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like
1: me dyeing my hair back in the day. Is it enough to distract from my lack of talent? You know, I don't think that's the case for JP France. I think he's good enough. You know, it's just can these guys compete at this level? And you know, to your point about Luis Garcia, I think you need to get mentally prepared for that. Maybe IL stint just to protect mm-hmm. him, not mm-hmm. force him to come out and start the next game, knowing that he has that injury in the back of his mind. Maybe give him a couple of starts off. Make sure he's right, strengthen him up, and get him back out there. And you also need to get mentally prepared that Brandon Belak is going to be the guy that fills that void because he backed up uh, Luis Garcia yesterday, so he slots into that part of the rotation moving forward. If you're Dusty Baker, and you're right, the other thing you got to think about is who's on the 40 man roster that's a starting pitcher, so you don't have to manipulate your roster or sacrifice guys, you know, DFAing mm-hmm. them or losing them on the waiver wire. Uh, mm-hmm. JP France. Uh, Sean Dubin and Forrest Whitley are those guys and to be honest you know I'm kind of curious if they don't just give Forrest Whitley a chance say hey look we've been sitting on you for the last five or six years you've been uh, you, you've shown flashes of brilliance we still believe in you this might just be the time that you say hey let's go and you got to look at the schedule too because this month of May you're facing sub 500 teams in the Giants Mariners and Uh, The Angels are actually playing pretty good, but they're still sub 500. The Chicago White Sox have been beat around. So this might be an opportunity in your schedule to actually give time off to these guys. Give a Forrest Whitley a chance and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I I think it's probably well past time you know, for Forrest Whitley to have his shot. I mean, the Astros are pretty – they've been pretty aggressive about bringing hitters up. But they have sometimes are a mm-hmm. little slow on the yep. draw when it comes to pitchers. And it uh, feels like this is – like it's it, – how much longer can you wait with a guy like that? You know, it feels like it's yeah, time. Yeah, that might be where they're at. Yeah. I mean, I and and honestly, you know, I wonder too last night if, if a, you know, Renell Bron- Blanco was warming up. I wonder if it wasn't strategic – of Dusty to say, you know, let's not, let's go ahead and let Presley come in and finish this thing up because we might need innings out of Renel Blanco. Maybe not as a starter, but, mm-hmm. you know, if you do have to bring somebody, if, you know, if you do have to bring somebody up to start in Luis Garcia's spot next time, and certainly you've got Belak who's going to be pitching, uh, you know, I guess you could go to a four man rotation for a while if you needed to, but I, I wonder how, if they're going to start preserving some of these guys. I mean, look, serial killer, no, filmmaker. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Maton went two and looked. Maton's
1: I mean, damn filthy right now. By the way, dude,
0: holy crap! Dude, Dexter <laughs> is taking some people down right now. Damn. I mean, he may yeah, he may he's as well carving them up. <laughs> he's exactly what? exactly. He's you know what else, Blumer borderline orgasmic That's right. He's borderline yes. <laughs> yes. right orgasm. Oh, I that mean, made the show. Nice. The the dude is just he, I I have to bring him up because every time I see him out there. And it's funny cuz I talked about it last week. It's like I saw him at the game with that with the, a little kid who was from uh, uh Make a wish and he yeah. was just so sweet with him and just so dude, like he was, just a he was smiling ear to ear you're like, Who yeah, is it was Jack? just so it was just so cool. But when you see him on the mound, he looks like he's got people wrapped in plastic back in the back mm-hmm. in the locker room. You know, I mean, so well, just what he's doing saying. Is he's
1: he is wrapping them in plastic. He's oh. you know, he's taking body counts the way he's pitching yeah, right now. He really is. And so maybe
0: maybe, you these know, are terrible metaphors, by the way. These are awful metaphors. <laughs> but it's like, but but look, man, the dude does look like a serial killer on the mound. I'm just saying. But I, I will yeah, well, say, can say that, that here we can say that here exactly especially knowing what a s- nice guy he is you can you can yeah. say that this is you our can safe say those kind of or circle of trust <laughs> exactly <laughs> i will say that um you know the offense is going to have to start picking it up now i mean they did last night giants are not playing well they're struggling and there was a good story the other day i uh on uh jose abreu's struggles i don't know if you read that but it was kind of fascinating to read the fact that he doesn't think it's mechanical, but Alex Cintron thinks it might be mechanical. Yeah, um, it,
1: it, if you get a chance, for you as well as fans at home, check out Fan Graphs. There's a really good article on
0: uh, Jose Abreu also. Yeah, I saw that excellent, and I just right now he doesn't seem to be seeing the ball very well. I mean, he he, he he's gotten a few. I mean, he's still Jose Abreu, right? He's still gonna. Yeah. He's when he get when he does get wood on the ball, it's gonna go a ways. Um, he's going to hit the ball hard, but yeah, he just, I mean, w- what have you seen looking at him, Blummer, that makes you think that he's, just, I mean, what is making him not right right now?
1: I just feel like he is feeling for the baseball or or he's trying to get hits. And I feel like when you start to try and get hits, you try to go get the baseball instead of sitting back and really start to drive the ball and get on your backside. I kind of see his balance really in the middle part of his body where you'd like to see it a little more 60-40 on the backside. <laughs> And when you start to stride with your swing, you get that front foot out there. You want to stay on that backside and keep the hands back. What I'm seeing is those hands kind of drifting a little bit. So he's getting jammed on, you know, 92 to 95, which is uncharacteristic for him. But I saw some more aggressive swings in that first game against San Francisco. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like uh, Andy Dufresne. I'm nurturing the hope that there is hope. And and it's a good thing <laughs> nice. uh, with the swing from Jose Abreu because if he can get to Jose Abreu and find that Jose Abreu swing, he's going to be such a nice addition to that to that lineup. But he needs to stop thinking about trying to get base, base hits as crazy as that sounds. And he needs to think about how do I get ready to hit the ball as hard as I possibly can. And I think once he gets to that uh, mental state, he'll be in much better shape to fight off 95 and hammer it. And when he's not hammering the 95, he'll get hanging breaking balls that he's, his hands are back on and he's ready to explode on. So it's just a matter of him getting comfortable and creating that separation between that front foot and that and that, and those hands to get that kind of power and that torque going in that swing.
0: I just wonder too, if he's feeling any, like, I mean, I'm sure you've gone through it. I I really, I really, I I, I just, I I looked at my notes and I just made, I had made a note a minute ago to come back to talking to you about your dyed hair, but we'll save that for another episode because (laughs) I definitely want, I definitely want, I'm going to look, I'm going to look that one up. I'm gonna look that one up, just so you know, because I've got to find out what oh, that was like. Um, <laughs> but um, no, the the I think the the thing to me is he's going through this slump, and I you've I'm sure you've gone through it. Um, although it's hard for me to believe. Uh, it's oh, the, what is time. <laughs> what is the what is the what is it like when you're up there? Like when when you when you're feeling that pressure, it's obviously got to weigh on you, you know, mentally, Absolutely. and it's got to affect how you do it. I mean, what is it? What does it do to you physically when you're up there? I mean, is it make you hesitate in your swing? Like, what what exactly are the are sort of the ramifications physically?
1: It's paralysis and it's not analysis that creates the paralysis. It's the overthinking that creates that because you've got these mm-hmm. ideas in your mind that, oh, I just signed a big deal with a new team. I've got to go out there and perform and put up numbers and show that I'm worthy of this contract instead of just going out there and being Jose Abreu. And you know what? I could be completely wrong also, but having been traded and trying to prove myself before in my career, uh, it has created issues. And all ball players are human. Uh, you, you know, you hear about these guys signing these contracts and trying to do a little too much. And then, you know, once you get past the, man, you know what, forget about it. I'm not going to try and impress everybody. I need to find my swing. And then all of a sudden that doubt seeps in and you go, why can't I be me? and that's almost where it gets worse because then you're deeper inside your skull and now you're trying to fight your swing you're trying to fight your brain and all of a sudden the ball's coming at you at 95 miles an hour and it feels like you're trying to merge onto a highway going 100 where everybody's going 150 and you're going 70 so it's really tough to try and pick your spots and slow things down in order to get out there and that's where he's at right now i just think that it's part mental it's part mechanical when you put those two things together it doesn't add up
0: I wonder too if uh you know Uncle Mike's going to be back pretty soon. Uh mm-hmm. I don't know what his impact is going to be. We haven't seen him swing or anything like that. He hates the pitch clock, he has mentioned in Sugarland. <laughs> uh which I'm sure he does. All all veteran hitters got to be hate that. Uncle Mike for thing. his honesty. <laughs> I know, he's so good. They're like how would you feel about it? I hated it. It's really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That was his lie. So good. I wonder if too of having that guy because look out of everybody, Brantley's the the most senior veteran, really. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. except for Maldonado, but you're not going to go to Maldonado for hitting advice. But Brantley, you know, is a guy who's he's a professional hitter. Um, I kind of got to feel like maybe his inf- impact will have some help for just for the lineup as a whole, but also maybe yeah. take some of the pressure huh. off of Abreu. Um, I look getting anybody back will be good. I know. Look, looking at Jose Altuve, he looks good. Just saying. Dude, um, he has a cast
1: off and he's texting with both thumbs. I mean it's great news.
0: <laughs> is he texting with both thumbs? Nice. You didn't see you that
1: on Alvarez Instagram where he showed uh he showed Jeremy Peña juggling <laughs> in the weight that. room and in the background is oh is Jose Altuve, you know, with both thumbs going D-d-d-d-d. and everybody's like, nobody's looking at Jeremy <laughs> Peña. They're looking at Altuve, going, Oh man, he doesn't have a cast on, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, that's uh, that's the kind of stuff. That's you just can't buy content like that. You know what I'm saying? saying that is the kind of yes. s- <laughs> that's the my kind daughters of stuff you taught just... me
1: to not look at what the focus of the picture is look at the background look really the background. your daughters oh, are uh your daughters on wisdom. everything
0: do they yeah. really oh, you kind of love that if i take a
1: picture in the booth they're like dad why is that on your desk what is that why is that there <laughs> what you know what does that mean oh did you see his face uh, you know who is that guy you uh, know bombing. i'm like good grief I, I, I can barely keep my eyes on the picture itself <laughs>
0: That's amazing. I will say mm-hmm. it was good to have you back in the booth, by the way, uh, after being out for a Thank couple you, of games. Man. It was really good. Uh, last night, I heard you – I love – there's nothing oh, that dude, makes me laugh more than when you, you make a I joke. Apologize. Oh, no, it's all good. I. There's nothing that makes me laugh harder than when you make a joke and you hear <laughs> Todd Callis. He just goes silent for a second, and you might hear just a tiniest chuckle, just like a small mm-hmm. – and then he just keeps calling the game. It just – to me, like I love those things because I love it when I know that I've made even just one person. <laughs> if one person laughs and nobody else thinks it's funny, yep. uh, I'm good yep. with that. And so those 100%. kind of things just just crack me up, man. When he's, <laughs> well, I heard you, you say,
1: and I, th- I yeah, think go we ahead. Said it on this podcast where I'm trying to break TK every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, you've told me that. Get him to break That's- character. He's the best straight man ever. Has 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 it ever happened? Yeah, I've gotten him a couple of times. There, there were the first game in Tampa. I cannot remember for the life of me what I said, but man, he all of a sudden like he, I got a full blown like, <laughs> you know, out of him. And I was like, man, I, I need to start taking notes when I do that so I can remember.
0: Right. Oh, it's Jose, critical. Jose
1: Abreu. Jose Abreu was at first base after a base hit, mm-hmm. and he's talking to Omar Lopez, and they're both kind of laughing and chuckling. And I said that. Jose Abreu is trying to convince Omar to unbutton at least one button on his jersey because Jose
0: Abreu unbuttons <laughs> them all. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that is pretty good. That is yeah. pretty good. The one Look, last Jose time Abreu. Was great. <laughs> yeah, the, I love when you you said uh, you said that's wise, and then there was well, just he, got, a, he said just, and wisely well, takes wisely. takes
1: the curveball for ball two, and I said yes, that is wise. <laughs>
0: And I heard him, this was the best part in that. If you didn't hear it last night, the best part was this is what it sounded like. You said, yes, that is wise. And you just hear like, that's it. You just heard like this (laughs) tiny, this tiny little, like it's just, that's it. That's all you got, but it's so good. It's so good. It's like, it's, it's it's priceless. It's excellent. So, uh, major league baseball. And I'm sure you saw this announced that the Astros and Rockies are going to play a game in Mexico city next year um mm-hmm. we saw or a, a series i should say not a game and we saw how that ball <laughs> went flying out of the stadium good lord um i, I mean hit. that's that that'll ruin a pitcher's career right there you think hitting trash cans ruin careers i mean just play <laughs> some games in mexico city um 7 feet i know i have you ever been to mexico city mexico city is awesome
1: never it i've been fancy. to a lot of places oh. in mexico i have not been to mexico city
0: Oh, it's fantastic! It is so yeah. great. It is a, it is an outstanding city and super fun and loads to do. Great food, um, but yeah, it's high. <laughs> it's high, um, and so when you get up there, that ball is going to travel, and so pitchers better mm-hmm. be ready. But also. It's good for baseball, right? I mean, playing these games in other, you know, you see the NFL playing Mexico City, playing London, you know, playing places like that. Mexico makes
1: sense. I mean, at least logistically, I feel like it's closer, you know, so you'd be able to travel there a little more frequently and not get buried by overseas travel. But um, we played in Monterey a couple of years ago against the Angels, and we had a blast down there. That was one of the best weeks I've had uh, broadcasting. Um, The ball did fly there a little bit too, but at the same time, I don't know if you heard this, but that first game in Mexico City between the Padres and the Giants, their humidor was not set to the appropriate levels to keep that ball from flying the way it did. So basically, it wasn't humi- There was no hum- humidor up there protecting those baseballs. So that first game was ridiculous, with eleven home <laughs> runs in that game. <laughs> you know, where guys are just getting pummeled. So anything airborne was going out of the stadium. They flipped <laughs> the switch on the humidor, and the next day it was just a modest what six to four game or eight to four or something like that. What I did not yeah. know that,
0: dude. I'm yeah. just there was look, a humidor issue. I'm just gonna say maybe leave it off just for fun. Like, just let's see what happens. I mean, just dude, (laughs) here we go again. Back in my day, when we went through Colorado,
1: (laughs) there was no humidor, man. We were chomping at the bit. If you weren't in the lineup, if I wasn't in the lineup, I was in the manager's office going, get, I need to play.
0: (laughs) Of course you were. Why wouldn't you have been? I mean, flipping them out of there. It's crazy. That's you. If like next year, when, when the Astros play in Mexico city, you should take BP. I'm just saying, oh, man. tell them to flip the switch on the, the humidifier, humidor, whatever it is, and uh, go out there and take a little BP. Exactly. No. Exactly. I, that, I think it's going to be fun. So one more thing uh, from Major League Baseball at large. So the A's situation is going to get really weird. <laughs> um they've said they're not it's bad it's gonna gonna get get worse really bad they they said Mm -hmm. they're probably not going to be able to move before 2027 and that's assuming they can get the money from las vegas they're asking them to pony up millions in public funds fans Mm -hmm. are already protesting at the game and i don't know if you caught this but in the highlights on mlb they cropped out protest signs what are we MLB like and then apparently they said oh we didn't realize that's what happened and then they put him back or whatever it's like oh yeah there's I know there's no way they're getting out of a doorway sideways by saying that <laughs> i know exactly so here's the thing lumber how weird is it going to get in oakland i mean i can i mean first of all they're terrible the team is terrible and they and they're not going to be good cuz they're not going to spend any money before they go to vegas and if they're there nope. for another three years four years good lord what's it going to look like in 2026
1: because there's no reason to maintain the stadium there's no reason to maintain the team there's no reason to do anything so they're going to be hawking all their money and taking all the revenue sharing that they get from the yankees and and mets and just pocketing it for future use but uh yeah it's going to get bad and if you you know, if these fans realize that they're starting to have an impact because they are getting cropped out, guess what? That's going to make them a little oh. more aggressive and a little more incentive to go out there and start ticking people off. And, uh, you know, it's a shame because those fans are great. But, you know, I'm not sure. I would have to double check. And I don't know if there's a way to, but I'm almost positive in a sense that their lease they, like they had to sign an extension on the Oakland Coliseum because there's nobody mm-hmm. there. They're the only the only place in town for them to play is at the Coliseum. What if their right. lease is up in 25, you know, in 2025? What do they do in 2026 while they're waiting for the stadium to be built? I mean, there's so many logistical nightmares with this whole situation that's going on. You have no idea what's going to happen and it's only going to get worse like you were saying for the fans for how about being a player? I mean, you're just being completely neglected for the next three years, and knowing that you're basically playing to get out
0: of Oakland. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's so bad. Like you, you could say lame duck, but this is worse than that. I mean, this is like a lame flock of geese. Like this is going to be just unbelievably bad if it continues to go that way. And and of course, like I don't understand. They don't even know if they're going to get a place in Vegas. They're asking for. The Vegas to pony up a bunch of money, which of course, look, I've well, been through the arena camp- cost a billion dollars. Good grief! Right, right. I've been through all of them. Like I was here when the when minute the the uh, the Brimer bill was passed, yeah, the minute insight. made. I was. I've been through it all, and I can tell you right now, public funds don't necessarily do anything. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's great for a city to have a team, and I would never trade it, and I'm willing to put you know some of my money where my mouth is but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a huge boon to the city financially and so when people tell you that that's not really true and now you've yeah. got them trying to get Vegas who's already got the Raiders speaking of which what's up with Oakland and Vegas like it just good lord man everybody's walking no. away from Oakland and going to Vegas i just think that's going to be something to watch cuz there could be real issues with that like there could be serious yeah i mean who's going to want to play there like, I mean, who is going to want to play at that? Well,
1: that? the, the, the money is going to bring those guys there. That's the, that's the thing is you're going to have to actually pay people to go play for that team and actually set that mm-hmm. city up and say, look, you committed to us. We're going to commit to you by putting a team out there that's going to be competitive. But, you know, th- there's tourist taxes already in Nevada. Oh, and so, I mean, Vegas how, how, huge. how much more? Yeah. So they're going to you know that. Tourist tax is just going to go up all over the planet to try and compensate for this you know and it's going to have to be a retractable dome if not just a domed stadium so you know i don't know it's a it's it's crazy to think about but there has to be if the if the city's going to commit obviously the team's going to have to commit and is that organization that's what i was curious about in the first place is Ve- does vegas want oakland not oakland does vegas want the a's i should say not oakland that's disrespectful to the city of oakland yeah right but does does vegas say, yes, let's pony up the money because we like the A's organization. I don't know.
0: And also it puts all sorts of weird – like it it also delays and causes issues with what Major League Baseball is going to do in terms of expansion Um, because they're going to have to sit around and wait on this because the truth is if Oakland – for whatever reason, if the A's don't move (laughs) – they're probably not gonna put another team on the West Coast. They're not gonna pick Portland or somebody like that. But if the A's mm-hmm. do move, then maybe they do. So it's gonna it's gonna affect that whole uh calculus when it comes to figuring out a new team. It's just a mess. And it didn't have to be a mess. But as usual well,
1: you know, you bring up you're talking about expansion because major league baseball wants to get to thirty-two teams and everybody keeps yep. saying, Oh, five, you know, five, six, seven years. It kind of fits the window that the A's are looking right. at but you don't want yeah. to expand with them. But if they do take up a slot out West, it kind of eliminates an idea of Portland maybe or somebody yeah. else on that West coast.
0: Yeah. It's the whole thing is going to be fascinating. I'm, I'm like you said, I've had some time spent some time with the whole arena thing in the past. So it always sort of intrigues me to watch what happens and how these cities mm-hmm. and teams deal with it. So I don't know. It's going to be weird. I'd say this. Uh, if I'm sure you can get a ticket. If you if you feel yep. if you're if you're in the Bay Area, you want to catch an A's game. I'm guessing plenty of, plenty of tickets available. <laughs> plenty yep. of tickets available. All right, thanks everybody for joining us, um, Blumer. You got any final thoughts on this uh, on this Tuesday?
1: Um, good to be back. Two more games against the Giants, and then we go on an early, very long trip. Three city trip: Seattle, Anaheim, Chicago. And these are very beatable teams. This is a real opportunity for the Astros to boost uh, not only their, their individual numbers, but also get that record pumped up, maybe pass up the Texas Rangers.
0: Maybe if everybody could do like a laying on of hands on uh, Hunter Brown and Mm. Framber Valdez and Christian Javier, just, you know, just to keep wrap them in bubble wrap between each start, whatever you got to do. All right, guys, we'll be back later this week for a fresh pod brought to you by bet online. Again, a huge thanks to all our listeners and viewers. You guys are always great. Keep liking and subscribing. We're super thankful for all of you. Keep it coming. Have a great week. We'll talk to you on Friday. Go Astros.